Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Last week, um, if you're missing any of these, anything that we're talking about, you can go back to to our. Uh, we have all of our um, classes streamed online, and you can go to uh, the website and you can find that. And you can see on Facebook Live, you can watch the the video, or you can go to SoundCloud or our website and you can get the audio. Uh, but I would encourage you, uh, if you um, are just kind of joining us, to spend some time. Uh, catching up. I know you think, man, that's super intimidating. We're in chapter 14. Man, that's really, really crazy. But I would just really encourage you to just build on that, okay? Um, because we're running into some things that I hope um, are are helpful, not just in how we live, but in how we handle the Word of God, okay? And that is that that is one of the areas I think that that uh, us as cr- a Christian like community. Um, as, as just a Christian, we call ourselves a Christian country, um, our ability to handle God's word well is at an extreme low, all right? Um, we're either scared to look at certain verses or we want to talk away verses, but we don't really know how we navigate through this. In 1 Corinthians, as you've noticed already, Paul doesn't dodge anything, Right? Uh, and, and, and so we're going to keep going into this uh, right here. Uh, let's see. What do we have today? Uh, let's read this first, okay? Let's, let's do that. This is going to be great. Stick with me. I'm in, I'm in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. So um, you may be reading along in another version. That's okay if there's a couple words that are a little different here and there. Uh, but this is a Holman Christian Standard version right here. We're starting in verse 26 of chapter 14, all right? And uh, remember last week, uh, Paul had shared this idea of um, just spiritual gifts and the way that they were utilized in the church and, and, uh, and what the, the, the goal should be and to pursue love and, you know, all of these things. And he says here in verse 26, then what is the conclusion What's the conclusion, brothers? Whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, another language, or an interpretation. All things must be done for edification. If any person speaks in another language, there should be only two, or at the most three, each in turn, and someone must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, that person should keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should evaluate. But if something has been revealed to another person sitting there, the first prophet should be silent. For you, for, for you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. And the prophet's spirits are under the control of the prophets, since God is not a God of disorder, but of As in all the churches of the saints, the women should be silent in the churches. 
For they are not permitted to speak, but should be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, they should ask their own husbands at home. For it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church meeting. Did the word of God originate from you, or did it come to you only? If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize that what I write to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, he'll be ignored. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy, and don't forbid speaking in other languages. But everything must be done decently and in order. All right? Boy, Paul brought it right there, huh? I, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's Bibles in here. This, your page has not been turned to this page before. Okay, it, your, your Bible opened up and you're like, man, this is like just opening to this verse, okay? And, and here's what I'm going to tell you to do right here because I know, man, there is something about all of this that gets in, get your head going. And, and here's what I'm really going to just encourage us to do whenever we study the Bible is um, just take a deep breath and let's, let's dig into this. All right, because I think we're going to learn something just from our own response to this, okay? So he, he says, when you come together now, let's imagine something. We have, to, we have to get ourselves in a position to understand what did it look like to be a Corinthian Christian? What did it look like to live in Corinth? What, what was it like, right? And what's really fascinating is that their meetings together um, actually look very much like meetings that other groups had together in Corinth. All right? And so Paul is actually addressing all of these things. So if we were to come together in Corinth, um, what it would probably look like is you would probably come together, most likely in somebody's home, somebody who's, who's wealthy, somebody who's rich, who has enough room in their home to, for, for people to gather in. And you'd go in and you'd have a, a meal. And then there would be a time actually between uh, when the meal was over with, and they would kind of use that as a communion meal. They would go in, and then there would be maybe a time to share. There would be a time to, to as he says right here, there would be a time of prophesying. There would be a time of, of teaching. There would be this time where the church would gather together to hear the word of God, right? We knew that from Acts chapter 2. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And they would do that, except what ended up happening um, was that their meetings were looking an awful lot like every other meeting that was going on, okay? What do I mean by that? Well, in most meetings, so for instance, what was fairly common in Corinth was that if you worked in a trade, you would be a part of an association of some sort, okay? So if you're a leather worker, you would be part of a leather workers association, right? You know, if you were a, a, a tent maker like Paul was, you'd be a part of an association. And these associations actually would come together and have these banquets and these meals together. And they would come together and they would eat. But here's what would be happening. They would be divided along socioeconomic status. All right, meaning like the more powerful, the more rich, they got to eat better food. They got to eat food in a dining room, and everybody else had to go somewhere else and eat food that wasn't as good, okay? And so Corinth was very stratified from a standpoint of just rich to poor, okay? And that was coming into the church. So you can imagine if you came together for a gathering and you started seeing that, the gathering itself was fine, but what the Corinthians were doing is, is they were following the rules of their society that they've learned. And so the rich Christians were eating ahead of the poor Christians. The rich Christians were getting treatment that the poorer Christians weren't getting, right? And so Paul had to address that. 
Remember, all the way back, we've been talking about these things since chapter 11, where Paul had to address the idea of when you come together, your meal, your, the Lord's Supper that you say that you're sharing, is there are people that are going hungry. They're not eating as well as other people. Like you're not caring about one another, okay? And so you had, you know, these banquets were something that, you know, would have been pretty common. Something else that would have been common to the Corinthians, though, is uh, remember just this idea of they were heavily influenced by Greek gods, okay? And uh, so you have this, uh, uh, th- this temple, right, this temp- Apollos temple. And Apollos was actually the Greek god of prophecy, okay? That's what he was known for, right? And you would actually go to this temple, and you would have, you've probably heard this before, there would be like a priestess there called the Oracle of Delphi. And you would go and ask the priestess, like, and, and you would want, like, them to tell you something, right? Tell me, I have these questions, please tell me what they are, okay? And so you had the priestesses, and you had the priests, and you had people going in there, and that was, that was kind of a normal thing, is, is that you had this lady who was seen almost like a prophet of the gods, that would be really, it would be a normal thing for us to go and do, okay? This was in the Gulf of Corinth, so it's right there. So it wouldn't be very different for us to go in and say, hey, did you, did you ask the Oracle of Delphi? Did you go in and find out? What kind of, like, knowledge did you get from her? What did she tell you about the gods? And this was a normal thing as well, okay? But for three months of the year at that same temple is you had a cult of Dionysius, okay? And that cult of Dionysius, which is fascinating, is that there would be like this religious ceremony going on, but it would be essentially like, like the priests and priestesses would be getting like high, okay? And there would be like this crazy, like utterances and just ecstasy and just this like just unhinged kind of what would look like, man, this doesn't seem like it's worshiping, but that's what they did. That would be a normal thing. I know for us, we're going, but we don't go to temples in the cold of Dionysius. I wouldn't go visit that place anyway, and I don't know about the Oracle of Delphi. Because remember, this letter wasn't written to us in America. Okay? And so what's very, very important is that we have to put ourselves in a place of going to the Corinthian people. This wasn't weird. In fact, it would be weird if you didn't go and ask, like, advice and direction. It would be weird if you didn't go to this temple. It would be weird if you didn't, like, behave in the same way, all right? And so what ends up happening is that starts creeping into the meetings of the church, okay? And so let's say you, you would go to the temple to see the Dionysians, okay? And, and, and they were just kind of intoxicated on something and just, like, totally just out of it, you know, I mean, you're just thinking, I don't know what goes in your mind when you're thinking that, I'm just like, you know, I grew up in California, I grew up near Berkeley, California, like, you know, the 60s in Berkeley, California, man, you're just like, oh, yeah, this is great, you know, and, and you go in and you're, you just see kind of this intoxicated group worshiping and saying things that you didn't understand, and you go, oh, man, that's really fascinating because Paul just addressed this in the church is what are you doing? 
Okay, you, you, you're trying to speak in another language. You think you're speaking in another language. You're not really building anybody up. And even if you want to call it a language, Paul doesn't even argue with them. Like it is or it isn't. He just says you do it, but you're only building you up. And he shares with them, he's like, I'd rather last chapter or earlier in this chapter, he said, I'd rather you, you be a prophet. Use your words for something to build up the church. Okay? You, use your words for that. Okay? And then there was another side of it is, and as we read here, um, as you, as um, right there in verse, um, let's see, verse 29. So this is their meeting. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should evaluate. There was a role going on. So we're sitting, just picture this. We're sitting in a Corinthians household. We are here for Christian worship. We're coming together. We're eating a meal. Paul is saying, hey, you guys, you got to, here's the deal. You're not thinking of others. You're not considering others. You're not loving your brothers. You're not paying attention to the body of Christ, okay? So, so let's adjust that, okay? And then when you come together, you guys are like engaging in something that you saw in this temple. You saw these things happening and you equated it to Christianity, but no one understands what you're saying. And so he encourages them, I encourage you to prophesy. Okay, well, so now he's getting to the part where they're going, okay, I get it. Now you have all kinds of chaos going on because everyone's trying to talk over everyone else. Okay, everyone's trying to talk, and he's going, hold on a minute, we, we've got to talk about this, okay? First and foremost, he says in verse 26, when you come together, have a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, another language, or an interpretation, okay? And we go, but, but he says, have another language, yeah, that somebody else can understand. Okay. Now, unfortunately, what we can do, and I think sometimes we can even teach this, is this idea of we want to look at the Bible as this like pattern of how to do everything. Okay. Like we're going, oh, it says right here, everyone comes together with a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, and another language. So this is what we're going to do. If we're going to be pleasing to God, this is what we're going to do. But understand something. This is not instructive. He's not saying this is how your Sundays have to go. He's simply correcting how theirs are going. Okay, that's very important to understand, all right? Because, again, we, we find ways, right? I mean, we find ways as Christians, man, to figure out who's doing something better, who's more spiritual, who's figured it out, who's got all the market cornered on all of these, like, things in church. And, and Paul is simply saying, hey, when you come together, and you come to a home, come to contribute. And that's the question, like that right there might be the simplest question we have today. Is, did we come here together this morning? And actually, did anyone spend any time going, how can I intentionally contribute today? Okay. Go, but we don't have a chance to get up and speak. They didn't either. He says, y'all come with this. But then he Limited the number of people who could even speak. He says, only two of y'all get up and speak. There was way more than two disciples in the Corinthian church, okay? And so it's this, this idea here isn't an upfront kind of like, let me go ahead and share this thing. It's a fellowship thing. It's all of us together. And so that's really the question. If we want to begin challenging our hearts, I think, with this, is to ask, did I intentionally spend any time? Can I tell you how many times I can show up at church? And I haven't even thought, like, and 
Listen, I have a lesson to teach. I almost feel like I have like a fallback and go, well, yeah, sure, I came prepared, <laughs> right? Go, no, 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 this isn't what it's talking about. Have I recognized the body of Christ and considered how I can come amongst the body of Christ and build up and contribute and edify? And it might not be to the entire group, but it might be to one brother or one sister. Okay. That, that in and of itself right there. I know, you're, I, I know you're waiting. You're going, what's he going to say about women though? Okay. I know you're waiting for that. Okay. And here's what I'm going to say. Pump the brakes. This is part of the problem. Okay, you, you want to get to the to the bang up action scenes. All right, and he, and here's the deal is 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 let's stop and say, can I even obey what he's telling me to do? I, I think there's there's no argument that Paul says bring this. He means bring this. Okay. So so let's stop for for a second here. Okay, he says when you come contribute. All right. This isn't a pattern. Don't look for a pattern here. Don't look for, oh, man, is this the new order of service? Oh, the new order of service is, okay, come together. Okay, a psalm, who has a psalm? Who has a teaching? Who has a revelation? No, 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 no. no. This isn't, again, I, this is going to be so difficult to understand because we like patterns. Okay? But, again, this is just the Corinthian Christians coming together. You know what? The, the Philippian Christians, they probably looked a little different when they came together. Well, where'd they come together? I don't know. A hut. I, who cares? Right? But this is what we're talking about here, not looking for a pattern. We've already discussed this. Paul's already had talked to them about their gatherings in those ways. You know, isn't it great that Paul did start, remember, remember chapters back? And he talked about like uh, you know, how long your hair can be and, and wh- who can wear a veil and who shouldn't wear a veil and heads being covered and heads being uncovered and all of those crazy things that he was talking to them about. You know what I really appreciate about Paul? What I really appreciate about him is that he was able to go into a community of disciples and say, let's talk about what's really going on here. And we're not going to dodge any issues. All right? And, and, and unfortunately, man, that is, that's one of those things, you know, it, we, we kind of live in a world where it's like, let me go find a church that's going to say what I already agree with. How about we do this? Why don't we come together and agree with God? Let's do that, okay? And he's going to say things that me and you might feel uncomfortable with. And he might ask us to do things that we're uncomfortable with. And he may talk about things that we're uncomfortable with. Our job isn't to figure out who's going to tell it to me a better way. It's going, okay, teach me this. How can I be like this? How could I be in the Corinthian community here, okay? And he's already told him. He said, listen, if, if you're confused, ever, ever confused, if you're going, man, I just don't know about all this Corinthian stuff. If you're ever confused, you will not go wrong with pursuing love. It's kind of funny. We can kind of try to give ourselves a pass on things. Well, I don't understand that. Well, I don't like what that person said. I don't like how that person said it, so I'm going to get upset and angry and all these things. Going, hey, just per- let's pursue love. At, the, at, at our worst, I think we'll be okay, right? Pursue love. He says desire spiritual gifts that build up. And he says, okay, y- y'all come together. Come prepared to build up. And he talks about this, right? He says there's going to be no more than two prophets. And he said, listen, don't talk over one another. Now you go, well, how did you know that? Listen, go all the way back to chapter 1 and 2 and 3. What did he say? 
You have factions among you. You have groups among you that don't agree. You have people among you that you have these little cliques and all these kind of things. And we get this idea, as Paul is writing, that when it became time to, like, speak, it became kind of like this. Like, let's say over here was a faction, right? And they believed, like, very strongly about one spiritual principle of quiet times in the morning. Okay, and then there was another faction here that you had a really strong spiritual, like, just, uh, just, just really connected with evangelism, right? And then this faction over here, you guys were really, really fired up with serving, okay? And then Ryan got up and he's like, I got to tell y'all, the, the Lord has come to me and said this. Doing your quiet time, man, I can't even believe some of you guys aren't doing your quiet time, Okay? Now, now, keep in mind here, he does say, like, well, one person's, pro- person's prophesying, the rest should evaluate. That's really, really important. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 5 says, just because somebody stands up in front of you and says something doesn't mean it's the word of God. Okay? And, and I mean, quite honestly, you're crazy if you just listen to me and walk away and don't study this out. I mean, you're nuts. But here's the thing is, is you've got to go, okay, we've got to like, to, but so, so Ryan's talking about quiet times and Tyler and Jessica are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Liz gets up and she's like, no, man, you don't understand. You got quiet times, but I'm talking about evangelizing the world. And then Lucas gets up, but you don't even serve any, you know, and, and all of y'all think you have the word of God and you have your Bible verse and all that kind of stuff. And it's just chaos. Okay. And Paul's going, it cannot be that way. It cannot be that way. Like, have self-control to be quiet. Right? If you're a prophet, if God has given you something to say, listen, start out by, let, let's be quiet. If somebody's giving you something to say and somebody's talking, be, just wait. Have some self-control. All right? So he says, but don't, don't let there be more than three. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it looked like if there was 10 or 15 or 20 people just getting up like chaos, you know. And he said, listen, if there's somebody, if you legitimately have another language, and there's somebody in here that can't understand English, and you have a language, you have something you can bring, and there's somebody who will be able to understand that, that's great. But no one too. Okay. Do you see what Paul is doing here? He's working with a people who are fraction they're, they're just divided apart they're not considering one another they're not loving one another but they're all trying to go in the same direction of loving jesus all right that's the thing i love about paul is he's just not like screaming yelling at him he, i know you guys desire spiritual gifts i know you want to do the right thing but we've got to hear from paul when he's going but you listen let's get orderly here okay like, this is crazy because when somebody walks in who's not a believer, they're going to look around and go, what is wrong with these people? Okay? When somebody, when you've invited a friend or a neighbor or somebody in your family that's not a Christian and they are joining you and you're going, man, I didn't understand what half the people were saying and the other half were just talking over each other. I said, God can't be built up that way. So up until this point, what have we learned? We've learned that, okay, this isn't a pattern. This is what the Corinthians were doing. This is what they were taught to do. I don't think the message for us necessarily is is that we have to have some kind of different kind of order or anything. But he says this here in verse 33, and you're going, now we're getting somewhere. As in all the churches of the the saints, the women should be silent in the churches 
For they're not permitted to speak, but should be submissive, as the law also says. It's pretty clear. So let's talk about something. Let's be consistent with how you use the Bible. How about that? How about we do that? And, and let, let's go for this here. And what do I mean by that? Two chapters, three chapters ago, you know what we talked about? Hey, women, you better have your head covered. Men, you better not have your head covered. Okay? And you know what we say? We use this with cultural. It's cultural. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Don't ever defend the Bible by saying it's cultural. Everything is cultural. <laughs> They're talking to a culture of people, a people at a specific time in a specific place. Saying the word it's cultural does not absolve us from being obedient to the Bible. Okay, let me be very clear about that because I hear it far too often. Oh, that's cultural. And you want to know what? Almost exclusively I said, well, have you studied this out yet? Well, no, it's just cultural. Of course it's cultural, but what's this message for us today? And we learned, you know what we learned in chapter 11 and 12 is that, guys, you can have long hair. Where's my buddy, man? I, I felt horrible. He was sitting over there. He had Trevor Lawrence hair, man. He was all, and, and I'm preaching about long hair, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, I don't even know him. But if he was here today, he would feel better about that, you know? What did we learn, okay? You know, guys can have long hair, and women can have short hair. And it wasn't, that wasn't even talking about it. You remember what we learned is he was talking about something specifically that was happening right there of the role of men and women. And he was saying, here's the deal. Here's what's going on is that your men are not leading. Your men are, are behaving in a way that is almost more effeminate. Your, your men are behaving in a way that aren't leading. Your men are behaving in a way that they shouldn't be behaving, okay? And so, like, get it on straight. That, that's the message, right, is that there is this idea of, no, men, you need to lead. And he was speaking to them, again, instructively or correctively. He wasn't instructing us to go and have an issue about what we wear on our heads. But he was instructing them, like, this is what you guys are doing. You guys are behaving in this way. And quite honestly, it's embarrassing, and it's not honoring God. All right? So men be men and women be women. Do that. Okay? And we don't say, okay, that's for us today. Then we go, now, here's the deal is, is we go to 33 and say, but it said, women should be silent in the churches. They're not permitted to speak. In fact, it's a disgrace if they speak. And we go, well, it says it clear. It says it there. Well, it said clearly that women should be wearing veils, too. It says clearly, right. I mean, understand something, and that's a really good point, right, is that we have to read this in context, all right? Again, let's do that. Instead of talking about things culturally, let's talk about things contextually. Okay, and, and I know it's really easy to go, man, he's just chickening out on this. He doesn't even know. Come on. Seriously? I'm just saying, when you study your Bible out here, he's already said that women are praying and prophesying amongst the group. All right? He already said it. And as he's talking about prophesying, here's what he's saying, and I want you to think as a Corinthian here. All right? You have a prophetess. You have the order of Delphi who is seen as like the all-knowing all right you had a community of people that that the men were really lower like they didn't lead they were like waiting to be led okay 
And now you have a Corinthian church, and then you have all of this talking over. And he's saying, here's what I want you to do, women. And in fact, not even all women. He said, go home to your husbands. He's talking about wives in their congregation. He, he says, he, here's the deal. When it comes to, like, asking questions about the prophesying and all of that kind of stuff, let your husband speak for your family. Okay. God is about a family unit. Okay, let, let's be very clear about that. God is about a family unit. And he's saying there's chaos in here. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. We don't have this pattern in any other churches. Ladies, wives, you don't stand up and, and discuss this prophecy. Let your husband speak. When you go home, talk about it. Okay, which leads us to believe what was going on was that there was all kinds of chaos going on. But you had women and they were arguing with one another and all of these things. And Paul's correcting that. Is that, is that making a little bit of sense right there? I, maybe some of you are going, no, man, you just chickened out. Other of you guys are going, no, you didn't go far enough, Keith. Okay? But if we're reading this in context, that's how we have to read this. Okay? Here's what I think can happen, okay? When we talk about a kingdom worldview, I think almost all of us, I would say 99.999% of, of us, we think like, looking at the world through a kingdom lens and through a worldly lens are kind of similar. Like, it's not that big a deal. We don't treat it like a big deal when we talk about having a kingdom worldview. We're just like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, be unselfish. Love others. And we think it's so simple, and we forget in and of itself is the most radical thing in the world because we no longer view anyone or anything the same way. Sometimes we look at this and go, oh, it's kind of like apples and oranges, you know, it's, you know, you got the kingdom of God, and then you got the world, and they're just kind of all right there, but, you know, yeah, they're different, but they're kind of the same, you know, both of these are fruits, and you can eat them, and all the, no, 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 listen, pray to God that our minds change radically on that. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world have nothing in common with one another, okay? There's no way around it. Here, let me show you, okay, is... First of all, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He just says, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Okay, so this is how radically different that is. All right? If you're looking at your brothers and sisters in a way that is competitive or you're looking down on or you have any kind of pent-up bitterness, understand that's not the kingdom of God. And when we go, but that's really hard, it's supposed to be. Because it's nothing alike. That's why Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit. This is nothing alike, okay? Is no longer view anyone from a worldly point of view. In the kingdom of God, he says, deny yourself. That's nothing like selfishness. And I think what ends up happening, and why we have a hard time with verses like veils and women and spiritual gifts and all these things, is because we see the world's kingdom... And we see the kingdom of God, and we're like, how do we rectify this situation with it? How do we make the world's mess? And like by injecting the kingdom of God into it, when the kingdom of God is already perfect, like we have to find out what the kingdom of God is about, and it's nothing like that. So we can't attack issues and go, but this is the way the world sees women, and this is the philosophy of the world with women, and all these kind of things. So therefore, we have to do, no, no, no. Let's go back and study it, Okay. Because this is the kingdom of God. Take up your cross. There is no none. Okay? 
philosophy in this world that will tell you to do that. Okay, take up your cross. Consider others more important. Be a servant. Guys, here, here's the deal. Our hearts should be challenged to the core when we think about being called to this. But I fear we think it's too simple. We think it's too much alike. We think, no, I'll get up tomorrow and be unselfish. Then, then, then me and you don't get it. Oh, yeah, I'll deny myself. That's like saying, man, tomorrow morning I'll, I'll get up and, you know, give myself an abonectomy. It's no, it's no big deal, right? What's the big deal? It's not that hard. No, because we don't understand the kingdom of God. And that's what Paul is teaching in, all right? He's trying to show them this is kingdom ethics, to forgive and to love your enemy. Guys, this is nothing close to the world we live in. In fact, what's going to give us freedom to break out of it is stop trying to look through the lens of the world. Okay? And what I mean by that is even when we read scriptures about spiritual gifts and veils and women and leaders and all of these things, is almost all of us go to a place of what is the world saying instead of going to, hold on a minute, what does God say and let's be about that. Okay? Let me put my political orientation off to the side. Okay? Isn't that we, we're crazy? in the church because we think politics can fit into the kingdom of God, right? We, we do. We think, we think nutso things can fit into the kingdom of God, right? And it absolutely doesn't, okay? And so I know what ends up happening is going, well, what's he going to say? Is Keith a feminist or is Keith a this or is Keith a that and all that kind of stuff? I'm saying, hey, here's what I would tell you to do is drop your baggage, okay? Our, our, our battle isn't against all the world's stuff. Our battle is to go, hold on a minute. What did God say about men and women? How did he build men and women? How did he do that? What does he call me to do? How does he call me to be? And the truth of the matter is it may be very challenging to where you are, okay? So you actually, you know, going through this, it's pretty courageous of Paul to go, hey, y'all women, be quiet. And again, he, not that he's saying like you can never speak, you can never like but he saw an issue and dealt with it. And he saw an issue with men and he dealt with it. And he saw an issue with families and he dealt with it, okay? As he got in there and, and Paul just assumed, listen, I'm going to assume if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to leave the idea of being offended outside the door, okay? Because we come in here locked in on Jesus, not come in here to hear a political conversation or hear what I want to hear already or anything like that, right? If my kingdom worldview of women leads to oppression, aggression, abuse, inferiority, pl please don't fight the church, okay? That's the world's issue, <laughs> okay? If you're in the church and you think that that's male leadership, right, talk to someone who knows better than you right now because you are not following Jesus' plan and God's plan, okay? But what we end up doing is going, but Keith, the church needs to be this way because, man, in the world you have toxic masculinity and you have the, I, I don't follow the rules of the world. I do what God says to do. Okay? And I don't try to, like, bend it all around and do all these things. I'm going, hey, man, it, it seems to me when I read the Bible and God said, hey, I built a man that's not good for him to be alone. And let me give him a woman. I'm kind of like, that's awesome. That's really great. Did God say, let me give him a lesser person? Let me give him a, a, a person who's less capable. Who's less. But here's the, what ends up happening. 
Guys feel insecure, so they kind of go overboard. Women feel insecure, so you feel like you have to, like, lock on to your power, you know, instead of going, hold on a minute, let me go back and just obey my Lord, okay? And, and if I have an opinion and a strong opinion on women, on women's roles and all that kind of stuff, I would ask you, how much have you studied this in the Bible? And, and here's the other thing I would ask you. If you have a, a title you've put to yourself, okay, and I'm going to say this about Republicans and Democrats and Independents and Progressives and Feminists and Calvinists and Wesleyans and all these things, get rid of it, okay? Please get rid of it. I can't tell you, I'm tired of having conversations where I go, well, that's what Calvin said. Who's Calvin? When did I start following Calvin? I don't get that. When did I start following Wesley? When did I start following these people? When did I start following somebody I didn't even know who was going to tell me about women? Or conservative values or liberal values or whatever. When did I, when did I get baptized into their name? And again, if you can't accept that, you might not be ready for the kingdom of God. I'm just saying. Okay, because this is, this is the deal right here, is we have got to get our minds wrapped around going, hold on a minute, what's he saying right here? Is Paul just going off on women? And like, you're disgusting and disturbing, and you better not talk. And you better... No, he's saying, hey, listen, y'all are aware of what goes on. What, what's happening is going to stop right here. We don't have this in churches. my view of male men and women husbands and wives isn't life-giving building up freeing if I don't think it's we're better together all right there's a good chance I am missing out on the plan of God when it comes to men and women all right here's one of the things that we kind of know we get into the sweet spot with God is it's really amazing. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you peace and patience and joy and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Right. What I find is, is when I'm not, when I'm trying to like wrench the Bible into my already, like my worldview, I start to feel like some of you may be feeling right now, which is this tension. Like, how can I, no, it can't be, there's no way, and you're feeling it. And let me just share with you what you're feeling is fighting against God. All right? Our creator knows how we're built. He knows what's best. Oftentimes our view of men and women in the church is more about preference and opinion and less about obedience to God. Okay? I will guarantee something. Okay? Over the next two to three days... I'll have more questions and more phone calls about what I just said about women than about people coming prepared to build their brothers and sisters up. I, I guarantee it. it. It's amazing the number of things that we can teach that we get so riled up about. And, and you know what's funny is very rarely does somebody get upset because they're like, no, t tell us to obey more, man. We, we get kind of caught up and I'm going, hold on a minute. Let, let's obey God. Let, let's read this at face value. Let's not read this like a Calvinist. Let's not read this like a Wesleyan. Let's not read this like a Church of Christer. Let's not read this like any of those things. Let's just read it at face value. Go, okay, I get it. In Corinth, that was going on. Paul said that. All right? 
but he also understands that there is a role for a man, a man and a woman. Right? There is a time to be silent. Okay. Let's, let's be that way. And all the way at the end here, at the end, he says this. He's kind of giving them these last things. If you think you're a prophet or you're spiritual, recognize that what I write is the Lord's command. If you ignore this, he'll be ignored. My brothers, be eager to prophesy. Don't forget speaking. Uh, don't forbid speaking in other languages. But everything must be done decently and in order. Right? Can you see the group right there? Going. Okay. Cool. He said some hard things. I mean, put yourself in the position of these ladies. <laughs> you know. And they go, Oh crud! He just said that about me. What about the dudes who've been prophesying and screaming over each other? Oh, man, I did that last week. Now Paul's calling me out because I was, like, screaming over Lucas, you know, and all these things. And you're kind of feeling sheepish. And, and, and here's the great thing is, hey, take a deep breath. This is part of walking with Jesus. This is part of walking with Jesus. We learn the entire narrative. We don't learn microscopic portions of the narrative. We learn the entirety from Genesis to Revelation about God's plan for men and women and families Man's, men's plan for morality, men's plans for leadership, men, God's plans for all of these things. We, we learn all about that through the narrative of the Bible, okay? And so, again, let's take a deep breath and go, you know what? Let's take this at face value, and th- it very well may be. Now, now here's the deal. Okay? You may be there going, man, I, I kind of know how those women feel because I kind of do that with my husband. Like, I kind of, like, overwhelm my husband. Like, I'm the one that's up. You know, I'm the one that kind of like, you know, I'm the mouthpiece. I'm all of these kind of things, you know. And this message very well may be to you to go take a breath. Okay. And it may be the same message to your husband of going, buddy, start leading. Be initiative. Be provisional. Be protective. Right. Let's be step up. Okay. So although there's a message for women, there's also a message for men. Like step up. When there's a vacuum of leadership, somebody's going to stand up. So I think it's something we can take with us, both sides, from, from even just a gender perspective here. But as disciples of Jesus, be honorable, be orderly. And remember what he said before, and he said this over and over and over, and this is what we're going to be left with. All things must be done to build up. But Keith, you read this thing in the Bible, and it didn't build me up. That's, that's what we read in the Bible. We study the Bible. The Bible will build us up. Here's what I've understood. When the Bible tears me down, it's for a good reason, because I'm going to be built up stronger. But when we're on the same page of the Bible, the Bible's going to be tough. But in our relationships with one another, all things must be done to build up. So if nothing else, you're going, okay, when, when I'm gathering with the church, I'm going to intentionally be thoughtful of the body of Christ. I'm going to be intentionally thoughtful of going, man, I'm going to share with somebody a psalm or maybe a teaching, something I learned in my quiet time, some kind of good news, something that I'm being challenged by, something like that, to build up my brothers and sisters. Okay. The Corinthian history is fascinating. It's not hard to find. You can go and find all the things I've shared about the Oracle of Delphi and the cult of Dionysius and what was normal in Corinth in the first century and all those things. It's not hard. It's, it's, not, it's not hard to find. I'm not a PhD student like Carl, you know? 
It's not difficult to find. It's a fascinating history of our brothers and sisters. And you want to know what? As kind of goofy as we see them being, you want to know what? It's hard to see how goofy we are when we're amongst ourselves. It's like, right, people said this all the time. It's hard. How do you tell a fish they're wet? Okay, it's really tough. Okay, and I will tell you, if the Corinthians were to read a letter to the Clemson Foothillians, they would go, what's wrong with those people? <laughs> what on earth? You know, what's a tiger? <laughs> what's a Republican? You know, well, what's a Trump? What's a, you know, you know what, what on earth, man? Right? And so why do I say that is because, listen, it, it really is us today to be having humble and soft hearts and building one another up, but also not taking kind of a high and mighty route over our brothers and sisters in Corinth either. All right? They were struggling, but they love Jesus too. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate that Paul prayed for the rest of them. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit clemsonfoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.